The following message is from King's Church 1066, based in Hastings, Bexhill and the surrounding area. For more information, head to our website, kings1066.org. Brilliant, so good to uh, be with you. My name is Paul, I'm one of the pastors here at King's, and uh, I'll be preaching for the next 20 minutes, half an hour, 40 minutes, hour, hour and 20 so we, 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 see, we see how it goes. Now, I've got Bex Hill, so I will be heading off to Bex Hill at some point, but I'm sure they can hang around while I'm, I'm here, which is great. We're continuing our uh, preach series um, on the Kingdom of God. And this morning we are looking at the subject of Kingdom Warfare. And there's so much out there in the media when it comes to spiritual warfare, kingdom warfare. Some of it's really, really good. And some of it, even though it's in the name of Christianity, is to be quite honest, a load of rubbish. Um, And so what I want to do today is lay a foundation that we can clearly see in Scripture about kingdom warfare, spiritual warfare, something that we are on safe ground with and we're clear with because that's what it says um, in the Bible. Now, by way of introduction, and I mentioned it a few weeks ago, but I'm assuming, I'm assuming you're a little bit like me um, and therefore a little bit forgetful. So it's good for me to uh, remind you of these things. In this world, there are two unseen kingdoms, the kingdom or the dominion of darkness and the kingdom that Jesus rules and reigns. And every person on the planet is either in one or the other. You, you, you can't, it's not like, you, you can't get caught in a lift between floors. Do you, do you know what? You're either ground floor or first floor. You, there's, there's no people in the middle. And the same for, the same when it comes to the kingdom of God, you are either in the kingdom of Jesus Christ or you are in the dominion of darkness. And since Jesus came 2,000 years ago, the kingdom of God has been advancing against the dominion of darkness. And one person at a time, individuals are being rescued from one and transferred into the other. Now, this isn't a physical change. Like, I I don't know, I'm I'm in England right now and I could go up to Heathrow Airport, get on an aeroplane, go to India and I would be in a different nation under a different government or different kingdom. So it isn't a physical change, it is a spiritual one. And in this age, even if you are in God's kingdom you're still surrounded by the kingdom of darkness. It still has an impact upon us. So let's look at a passage together that talks about this. Um, And then I've got four, I think they're probably quite simple points that many of you will know, but I think it's so important to remind you of them. And I I really do believe, I'm praying, that even as I'm speaking today, each point, there will be different things that are highlighted to you. And, and your responsibility is to grab hold of them and take them away with you. So whatever happens, you don't want to leave them here. You want to make sure that you grab them and you take them home um, with you. So the passage we're going to look at is a passage in Colossians. It's chapter one, and it picks it up in verse nine, and we're going to read through from verse nine through to verse 14. But before I do that, I'd love to pray. Is that all right? Lord God, I thank you so much that you are here. Thank you, God, that you are here, that you are with us. 
Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are here. For those of us that are followers of Jesus, Holy Spirit, you're living in us, but you're also in this place. Lord, I pray as we look at this subject today, I pray firstly, would you please help me to communicate effectively? I do ask for your help in that, Lord God. But I do pray, Holy Spirit, that you would go beyond the notes on my page, on my iPad, Lord, and you would make them live. I pray, Lord God, for truth encounters in this room that are transformational. Lord, I pray for those that don't yet know you. Lord, as it were, for eyes to open, ears to hear, hearts to grasp something of who you are and what you've done. I pray for that, for those that don't know you. Lord, I pray for those that do know you but feel totally and utterly stuck. I pray for hope and faith to come. That's not how you've designed it to be for us. There is a way out. And I pray for all of us, Lord God. I pray, Lord, that we would be undistracted. I pray, Lord God, that the, that, that, that the enemy would not distract us. That our minds would be alert. And our hearts would be open to what you want to do, I pray. Amen. For this reason, this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a church in Colossae. And he's never been to this church, but he knows Epaphras who started it. So he's writing to them. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Wonderful to know that you're being prayed for every, every day. We continually ask God to fill you with knowledge of his will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives. So his first prayer is that they will grow in their understanding. Not, not worldly understanding, but spiritual understanding. Understanding that comes from Scripture and the Bible. It's not about how clever they are, how intellectual they are. It's about grasping what the truth of the Word of God says and allowing it to live within us. So that there's a reason why he wants them to grow in this knowledge. So that you may live a life worthy of the Lord. There's a purpose to it. So you will live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way. So the Apostle Paul, praying for the church at Colossae, wants them to grow in their knowledge that they may live a life day by day that is worthy of the Lord, that they would please him in every way, that is God, bearing fruit in every good work. That is, that's an inheritance as Christians we have, that we are fruit-bearing people. Now I've lost my place. Growing in, our, growing in the knowledge of God. So again, he puts that, just even, even today, just ask that question. Are you growing in your knowledge of God? Are, are you right now? Or, or would you say, actually, I did grow in my knowledge of God, but now it's pretty static. There's a growing in our knowledge of God that, that isn't just informational, it's, it's experiential. It's, it's with the Holy Spirit, as we see right now. Growing on our knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. That sounds good, doesn't it? 
strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Now, why does he want us strengthened with all power according to his glorious might? Is it for signs, wonders and miracles? Well, it could be, but that's not what it says there. Is it that you might have incredible prophetic visions? It could be, but it doesn't say it there. Is it so that you can preach like Billy Graham? Well, it could be, but it doesn't say it there. This is why he wants you filled. Now I've lost my place again. This is why he wants you strengthened with all power according to his glorious might. Why? So that you may have, read this with me, you may have great endurance and patience. Now that's, that's really interesting, isn't it? He wants you filled with the glorious power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's the Holy Spirit. So why? You might have great endurance and patience. That's a, that sounds a bit rubbish in some ways, doesn't it? You're sort of thinking, ah, oh. but, but, but that's what he says. He says it there. And giving joyfully thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light, for he has rescued you. If you're a Christian here today, he has rescued you from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. I just want to share four keys that are in this passage that I think are foundational, are really important if we're going to understand something of kingdom warfare, spiritual warfare. The first one is this, and we see it from that last verse there where it says he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness. It's this, we need to know this, we have an enemy. We have an enemy. And in the West, we can dismiss that a little bit we can sort of think, you know, well, the devil, Satan, he's a little bit like Father Christmas or the tooth fairy. Do you mean we don't really think much about him? But truth is, the Bible's very, very clear, is that we have a real enemy. Satan is probably a fallen angel who wanted to be like God. Satan is a supernatural being, but he is a created being. Now, we can, in the West, we can think about natural on one side and supernatural on the other. But the Bible doesn't split it that way. The Bible splits it created and the creator. And so the God that we worship, the God we've been lifting high this morning, he is the creator. He is the creator. Everything else, including Satan, is the created. So Satan has got more in common with us as human beings than he has with God. And I think that's really important that we put Satan in the right size. God is massively, massively big. Satan, in comparison, is incy-wincy. And I think it's good for us to remember that. God is sovereign. He is all-powerful. Satan is not. God is everywhere. Satan can only be in one place at one time. I mean, he does have demons and other things to help him, but he can only be in one place at one time. God knows everything. Satan doesn't. He can't read your mind. He can read your body language, but he can't read your mind. 
It says this in John 10, verse 10. This is what it says about Satan. And I think it's really important we know this because like, when you watch TV, there's quite a lot of stuff that's supernatural, isn't there? There's quite a lot of that sort of stuff on TV. And you can think, well, sort of that stuff isn't so bad. But anything that doesn't come from God comes from Satan. And this is how it describes Satan. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. That's what it says in John 10 verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. Satan looks to destroy what he hates. He hates what reminds him of the creator, that is human beings. So be in no doubt, Satan hates you. He does. It says this in John 8 verse 44. Satan, he was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. And he is out to deceive people. He wants to deceive you. And one of his primary weapons is to make you mistrust God and his word. Right at the very beginning, he said to Adam and Eve, did God really say? To Jesus, he asked a question, if you are the son of God, and today he hasn't changed the way he works, that's exactly what he will say to you. He will say things like, God is holding out on you. He hasn't got the best for you. God is holding out on you. He'll say things like, the Bible, isn't it a bit out of date? Isn't it a bit antiquated? Doesn't it need to be updated with modern culture? He'll say things like, more joy can be found elsewhere than it can in the kingdom of God. He tempts us to believe that there is better beyond God, but there isn't. For the best life, follow Jesus. That's just the truth. You may find momentary pleasure elsewhere, but when you look back over time, it does not compare to following Jesus. And we have a hope for the future. It says in Revelation 12 verse 10, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. He accuses, he condemns, he brings shame. Do you have like a tape permanently playing in your head saying you're rubbish, you're rubbish, you're never account to, you'll never amount to anything? No, good Tom, I'm pleased you don't. But some of you do. The accuser of the brothers is there, just speaking. And it says in 1 Peter 5 verse 8, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. It's important that we are alert and aware of his schemes. But equally, we shouldn't become overly occupied with him either. There's a danger of two things. You don't think about him at all. You think about him too much. But he is on the lookout for someone to devour. But he can only devour those who open their lives up to him, where you give him a foothold, where you give him space. So quickly, just to summarise, point one, Satan's tactics... He lies and he introduces false ideas to deceive us. Two, he looks to get a foothold in our lives through sin. Three, he accuses. He will accuse you. 
He will reinforce lies. He uses fear to control us. I had a sort of one of those light bulb moments a little while ago when I realised that an awful lot of what I do is a reaction to fear of what might go wrong rather than faith in a mighty God who is working with me. I wonder for you, how much of what you do is in reaction to fear? What happens if something goes wrong, so I better do this, this or this? Rather than faith, I am on God's side and he is a mighty God. And he has good and pleasing and perfect plans for me. He tempts us to think that people are the enemy. Even now, this morning, you may be thinking of people that you really just don't like and you think they are the problem. They're not. Satan is the enemy. Number two, this is my favourite point, and I hope you enjoy it as well. Actually, Dan, are you there somewhere at the back? Could you turn the heating off? Because I can watch, I can watch by degrees as eyelids are closing. Put it on, put it on fast freeze, okay? Number two. We have a rescuer. We, if, if you are a Christian, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have a rescuer. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sin. Jesus' work on the cross is not just a patch-up job, but a transformation which includes you being transferred from the dominion of darkness into the kingdom of God's dearly beloved Son. And it is wonderful. And that is fact. It, isn't, it is not just for good Christians. It's not just for those that have nailed it. The moment you put your trust in Jesus, that faltering prayer of a seven-year-old child, if they believe it in their heart, if they confess it with their mouth that Jesus is Lord, they are transferred from one kingdom to another and nothing can take them out of Jesus' hand. Because he is the king, he is powerful and Satan has been crushed, he has been broken. A transfer between kingdoms has taken place. Now, for that seven-year-old, as they grow, they will follow Jesus and there will be fruit in their lives that their commitment to Christ is genuine, like it is for each of us. But nothing can snatch them out of his hand. And we have been brought into a kingdom ruled by Jesus. And when you look at this passage, just it's always good to read the Bible slowly because you notice stuff when you read slowly that you don't notice when you read quickly. Look, for he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he has brought us into the kingdom of the son that he? So we're brought into a kingdom that right at the heart of it is love. The father loves the son. The son rules the kingdom. We are in a kingdom that is grounded in love, not hatred like the dominion of darkness, not lies, but love. And that is a really good place to be grounded. That's a good place to be. And it's a kingdom that we enter through redemption. Jesus Christ, with his own broken body and his own spilt blood, purchased you out of the dominion of darkness and brought you into the kingdom of the Son that he loves. Therefore, you are precious. Because in the end, what's precious and isn't precious shouldn't be decided by me or you. 
It shouldn't be decided by the world system that we are immersed in. It's decided by the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Eternal One, God. And if God sent his son, the most precious person, thing that he had to save you from sin and to save you from hell, then you are precious and you need to stand against those lies that you believe, saying that you're not precious, that you're of no value, that you are useless, because it isn't true, because if God says you're precious, you are precious. And for eternity, when, when you die to go to be with him or he comes back again, and you're in his presence, you'll realise just how precious you are. And you'll also think how silly I was for believing that I wasn't. True, it will be. Now, I know it's a battle. It's a battle in our minds. But if the Bible says it, if God has declared it, it is true. And for some of you, you've just got to stop living on your feelings right now. And you've got to decide, right, the Bible says it, I'm going to believe it. It's a faith decision. Now, I know the feelings will follow, but you've got to decide it first. If God has said it, you cannot be the only, the only um, not excuse, example, pardon? Exception. Well done, Sheila, you should be here, not me. You're not the only exception. You're not. You can't be, can you? Come on, logically. It can't be true for everyone else in this room, which some of you believe. Oh, I know it's true, and I know it's true for everyone else, but it isn't for me. No, come on. Come on, get over yourself. You're not, that, you're not that special. You're not that different in that sense. Jesus has said it is true. He has earned it. He has come through. Now stop. When you walk out of here, you've got to stop believing these rubbish lies because they are stopping you being productive as a follower of Jesus. They are controlling you more than the cross of Jesus Christ and that's not how it should work. I'll only read the end of this passage. It says this in Colossians 2, 13 and 15. But this is what Jesus did. There's a bigger picture. Um, can we go for the next verse if it's there, I think? That's it. On the cross, having forgiven us all our trespasses, all our sins, cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, this he set aside, nailing it to the cross. So all the list of things you ever got wrong, all the judgments they got nailed to the cross, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and he put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Jesus won the victory. It is a total victory. It says in 1 John 3 verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. Firstly, we have an enemy. Secondly, we have a rescuer. Third, we have a fight. For followers of Jesus, everything that I've just said is true, but we're in a fight and that fight can be brutal. And there's three things we need to hold in tension when we think about the fight that we're in. Firstly, the reality of the devil and the demonic world. It is real and it does exist. Secondly, the God that we worship is sovereign. It means he is all powerful. He is all powerful. There is nothing and no one that can withstand the God that we worship. And number three, we have personal responsibility in the fight. There's a bit that we need to play. However much I'd like to play it for you, I cannot like no one else can do it on your behalf. It is you and it is, is your fight and yours alone, but with a sovereign God on your side. 
We've heard of an enemy who accuses, tempts, sows fear, lies, and is looking for people to devour. And he will exploit every one of your vulnerabilities. He will use whatever it is to keep tripping you up. It might be pornography. It might be anger. It might be comfort eating. It might be excessive gaming. I particularly was reminded of that. Basically escapism. You're, 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 you're just trying to escape, trying to switch off and you're using gaming to do it. It can be anxiety, accusation. It could be some other addiction. It may be something terrible that has happened in your past and he will look to exploit that event and he'll make it real to you every day. He will bring it up every day. For some, you brought in some big cases when you became a Christian. You brought in some big baggage. And if you were being honest with the person next to you, you feel like you're still carrying it around. Like two big suitcases loaded right up, really heavy kilos of luggage and you feel like you're chained to it and wherever you go, you're dragging this stuff around with you. It might be what happened to you is not your fault. It was done to you and if, if you could replay it, you would not even get into that situation or go there again. Jesus can't change what happened to you. But he does want to stop you. He, he does want you to stop carrying it around. And in the gospel, there are ways for you to get free from it. There are ways for you to get free from it. You don't need to carry it around anymore. If you're a Christian here today, the devil only has as much influence in your life as you give him room. Because he has no real authority. You know, I read that passage about him being like a roaring lion. It's a bit like a really big, aggressive dog. Barking and slobbering and growling. And you think if he got you, he would, you feel like he would tear you apart. But he's chained up. He barks, he growls, he slobbers, but he is chained up. And as Christians, my advice, don't go near him. Stay away from him. Don't go where you know you'll be tempted. Deal with lies as soon as they land in your head. Be active in renewing your minds with what the Bible says is true about you. Look for support from people in your connect group. Share what's going on. Go to the information desk as soon as this finishes and says, please could I have information about the Living Free course because actually I've lived with this stuff for too long and I want to get it sorted now. Go and, go and do that and we will get in touch with you and let you know when we're next going to do that, next going to run that course. It says in James 4 verse 7, Submit yourselves to God then, sorry, submit yourselves then to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. If you are living a life lined up with what God says in his word, in a sense, if you're submitted, submitted to God, 
you can resist the devil and he must flee. He has no choice because he doesn't have any authority. But you have to line yourself up with what the Word of God says to be true. And sometimes what happens is we're not doing that. Not in every area, but just maybe one or two areas where we know we're not lining up with what the Word of God tells us to do. And that undermines our authority. Number four, we have a mission. When Jesus came preaching the kingdom and doing works of the kingdom, he was invading Satan's rule with the rule of God. Jesus totally defeated Satan at the cross and in his resurrection and his ascension. Satan has been bound, which means Jesus could say that all authority on heaven and earth has been given to him, therefore go and make disciples. And God in his grace has decided to work through you and me in seeing other people set free. We are here for mission because the church of Jesus Christ is invading the darkness, advancing the kingdom. And that is why we're in a spiritual battle. That is why the enemy is fighting against us. And the reality is that although we've been rescued from the kingdom of darkness, we are surrounded by tens of thousands of people who haven't been. That's the truth, isn't it? We have been rescued. We're all right. But what about those that haven't? How can we, who have been wonderfully rescued, be indifferent to the plight of those who remain trapped? We've got a part to play. It says in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So we need to go and extend the kingdom. So what do we need to do? We need to preach the gospel. King, what's kingdom warfare? What's spiritual warfare? Go preach the gospel. That's what it is. Go tell people who do not know about Jesus, about Jesus Christ. Tell, tell them what he has done in your life. Tell him what they can, he can do in, in their lives. Pray for kingdom advance. Pray for breakthrough in situations that are around you. Pray for the sick. We won't see everyone healed. The Bible doesn't promise that. But it does tell us to pray for the sick and we will see breakthrough. We will see change. We will see people healed. Let's see the oppressed set free. Let's endure hardship Stand firm and resist temptation. That is spiritual warfare. Endure hardship, stand firm, resist temptation. Let's go and make disciples. Let's get to connect group and encourage one another. That is spiritual warfare. Let's plant churches. Let's see people who do not know anything about Jesus come under his rule and reign. This, this is all what we're about. This is why we do it. So just as I finish up, we have a real enemy, but we have a completely victorious rescuer in Jesus Christ. Each of us, as followers of Jesus, 
need to stand firm with great endurance and patience. We need to follow Jesus without compromise and not give the enemy a foothold in our lives. Resist temptation. We need to pray and extend the kingdom of God. If I can invite the band back up, please, that'd be great. There are some of you here today, you do not know what it means to follow Jesus. Or maybe you've prayed some sort of prayer, but you realise even as I'm talking, you haven't given your life to following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. This morning is the morning that this should happen. It really should. Following Jesus is the best thing ever. If you do not know for certain that you're a follower of Jesus, you must, you must, when everyone is going that way for a coffee, don't worry, there will be coffee for you after, you need to come this way. And you need to talk to Sam and Claire or Paul and Ros and say, look, I don't know if I'm a Christian or not, can you tell me what it means to follow Jesus? This is the most important thing you're going to do ever. I'm I'm not saying that it's going to make your life all wonderful, easy. It won't. If anything, it will probably get harder. But following Jesus is the most important thing. For others of you here today, even as I'm talking, you recognise the fact that you have given the enemy a foothold in your life through one area or another. Even now as I'm talking, I listed out a whole load of different things. You need to repent. You need to repent. You need to make a decision. You need to tell God and you need to tell someone else here that you're doing it or that you've done it. Maybe even get them to pray with you. But in the end, it's you personally. You need to make a decision that I'm repenting from this. I'm no longer walking this way. I'm now following Jesus. You, don't want, you do not want to give the enemy even one foothold in your life. And if the Holy Spirit in his grace is highlighting something to you, get it sorted today. You don't need hours of ministry. You need to make a decision. You need to repent, turn, be filled with the Holy Spirit and do what the Bible says. But telling someone else and having them walk alongside you can really help with that. Now, you're going to have to be bold and it's quite humbling to do that. You know, if you're telling someone that you're struggling with pornography, that's, that's quite a daunting thing to go and do. But, come on, get over it. Talk to someone. If you're, if you're, if you're struggling with anger, you're having outbursts, find someone who's a mature Christian, tell them, repent of it. I'm not saying it's going to be easy over the next few weeks, but that's the first step, lying in the sand. Maybe you need to, again, sign up for Living Free. It's not an answer to all your problems, but it will give you helpful tools to walk right. And for others of us, just need to be reminded, we've got a commission to go, haven't we? We're not here just to come on Sundays. 
and enjoy being together. There's a world out there that is in captivity to the evil one and we have a truth that can set them free. Why don't we stand? Holy Spirit, um, Holy Spirit, we do just invite you to come right now and... uh, In the end, we want to do business with you, Lord God. We want to do business with you. So Holy Spirit, would you come and speak into our hearts? I thank you, you're the counsellor. You're the comforter. Lord, if there's stuff we've got to get sorted, would would you come and convict us of it? We do not want to live compromised lives. Lord, I I pray for those of us here that do not know you. I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come reveal Jesus to us. I'm just going to give you a moment. Why don't you just, just give a moment for the Holy Spirit to come and speak. I know sometimes when people are speaking into the microphone, it makes it really hard to hear what God's saying because all you can hear is the person at the front. So I'm going to give just a bit of space.